Hi, everybody. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford alongside Wes Hodkowitz and special guest Larry McCarron. We are on location from the NFL Scouting Combine in downtown Indianapolis. And, Wes, I know we're here mostly to uh, visit with the prospects and try to get a sense of maybe what the Packers are going to do in the draft. But before we get to the draft, there's going to be a period in the NFL that they call free agency. (laughs) And we heard earlier this week from head coach Mike McCarthy and new general manager Brian Gutekunst about wanting to maybe be a little bit more aggressive in free agency here. What form do you see this taking on for the Packers in 2018? Well, I think it starts with research and development, Mike. And here's the thing. It's not to say we don't know what this market's going to look like on March 14th. Uh, this price of these players, the thing you have to understand is when you have this small of a market of guys that are available, the guys that actually leak out, that teams don't resign, that increases the price. And I think that's half the reason why you look at Ted Thompson, the approach they took of why the Packers weren't always the most active in that regard. But the Packers want to be better prepared, and that's something that Brian Gutekunst has said since his very first news conference. They want to make sure that any scenario that plays out, they're ready to react to it. The challenge for him in this first year as a GM is the fact that it is a little bit tighter as far as the salary caps are concerned after the extensions with Devontae Adams and Corey Lindsley. So they may have to get somewhat creative in that regard. But in terms of the guys that do actually get out into the free agent market, the Packers want to be more involved to potentially react if one of those guys can make sense and make this team better. Yeah, that preparation part of it you mentioned is interesting because you can try to predict all the different scenarios, players who may get cut for salary cap reasons or players who become available because they they don't get franchise tagged, for instance, something like that. But there are always things that happen in this league, Larry, that surprise people, things that you don't see coming. And it sounds to me... Like the Packers' new general manager wants to be ready in case something surprises them and they can maybe pounce on a player. Well, I think the preparation you guys have talked about so far, you do everything you can to avoid, whoa, right. what <laughs> happened right there? Yeah. We, we were caught with, you know what, down. We weren't, just, <laughs> we weren't just ready for that. And I think something that I think Brian told me, and I think it was off camera, that I might lend to the party here is that they have treated, they've tweaked the preparation process a little bit and they've treated it a little bit like the draft where they go through the possibilities. And of course we're talking about individual names and things like that, but they go through the possibilities and everybody gets their say. It's not like, okay, this guy's available now. Now everybody has had their say. They've looked at it. They've kind of judged it. They've gone through it much like the draft process. And like I said, I think that's a little tweak from what they've done in the past. Yeah, and I think one thing that definitely is not going to change in terms of the approach to free agency is players that uh, they may go out and sign are going to have to be the right fit for Green Bay, for the locker room and for the culture. We saw, I guess, what you could chalk up as a mistake last year with Martellus Bennett when things didn't work out. I think that's safe to say. When things didn't work out with Jared Cook, the Packers went to plan B, and it didn't work out. But that that's going to happen once in a while. But I think the Packers are going to take the same approach. What I'm also interested in is uh, are they going to be able to keep things as quiet in some ways as they have in the past? I remember when Julius Peppers was signed, yeah. nobody knew that that was happening. Nobody saw it coming. I remember actually I was in Florida on vacation with my family when I heard the news that Julius Peppers was a Green Bay Packer. I don't know when the Packers are talking about wanting to be more aggressive in free agency, if they'll be able to keep that many things close 
to the vest. Right. What do you think, Wes? Well, that's such a unique situation because Carl Carey, his agent, that's his one client. So, I mean, <laughs> if, if Julius Peppers didn't want that getting out there, it wasn't going to get out there. But to your original point, you're right. Julius Peppers was out of Green Bay by the time anyone had even known that the, the ink was dry on the contract. It's tough to do that in this day and age. There's so many different variables from that regard. But interest is there. And, and you look at how these markets shape. And, and now that they have this the legal tampering period, basically what they call it, that 48-hour window yeah. where teams are able to start negotiating and start hammering out contracts before they can actually sign them. Uh, Packers have actually used that to their benefit the past few years and being able to work deals with the likes of Brian Balaga and Randall Cobb. But, you know, potentially what does Brian Gutekunst think about getting into those other frays with t- players that are outside of Green Bay and outside of that realm? A lot to figure out from that regard. But sometimes I think fans get this idea that, you know, free agency, it's just such a given. It's such a guarantee. You're going to sign this guy, and this is the production you're going to get. A lot of the risk and a lot of reward that goes along with the draft carries over to free agency as well. And that's the same risk, you know, cost-benefit analysis that they run in that regard that they're going to have to run in free agency as well. And Brian Gutekunst is very upfront about that and honest. Yeah, and that's where the fit in the locker room and the fit in the culture in Green Bay comes into play, doesn't it, Larry? Sure does, but I got to tell you guys about that day they signed Julius Peppers. It was a Saturday when it, <laughs> it was. The it, was. Broke, it was a Saturday. So, like all good Catholics who want to get church out of the way, yep. I was going to 415 Mass at St. Agnes. And okay, you know at the start, are you guys Catholic, by the way? I know yes. a lot of you are Catholic. Yeah. But anyway, okay, right before the start of the Mass, when the priest and the altar boys and the lector and the dancing girls are all lined it up in the back, <laughs> you know, and they're, and they're starting to march out. Okay? Yeah. And I'm standing in the back of church, uh, just in, in the back. That's where I, I usually hang out during Mass. And I'm standing back there, and okay, the procession for Mass has started. Suddenly, Father Patrick breaks ranks, breaks ranks, <laughs> and hustles over to me. He saw me in the corner over there, hustles over, and he walks up to me and goes, Peppers, yeah! <laughs> then he runs back and joins the procession and on the mass went. But that's how big the signing of Julius Peppers was in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Yeah, really well, was. we'll see if we've got another one like that coming up. But with that, <laughs> we'll go to a break. Back with more on Packers Unscripted from the NFL Scouting Combine right after this. Welcome back to Packers Unscripted, Larry, Mike, and Wes in downtown Indianapolis at the NFL Scouting Combine. And Wes, one of the prospects, one of the first prospects we heard from yesterday here in Indy is uh, an offensive lineman from Texas El Paso who was one of the key blockers that helped make uh, Packers running back Aaron Jones' college career awfully productive. And Jones was a fifth-round pick last year for the Packers, as we know. But Will Hernandez, this offensive lineman from UTEP, is being talked about uh, a little bit higher in the draft order. Yeah, and the thing you got to remember, too, Aaron Jones last year, when the Packers picked him in the fifth round, that was the first time in nine years that a player from UTEP had been drafted. It was a big deal for them. Will Hernandez very easily could be a second-rounder, if not a first-rounder in this draft class. His 37 bench reps... Uh, on Thursday, I think, are really helping solidify his case. To put that in context, I think Larry had pointed it out, Quentin Nelson had 35. It's the most bench reps that anyone's had, I think, going back to 2014 with Russell Bodine, who now is the center for the Cincinnati Bengals. So really puts him in you know really elite category. But the thing that was interesting talking to him about is just the relationship that him and Aaron Jones have. And I had tweeted out a comment right after uh, Hernandez had got off the podium, just him mentioning how much Jones really had been coaching him through this whole week at the Combine. And 
Jones immediately, I think within it was like five or six seconds, retweeted it already. I mean, he was sitting there on his phone watching the news conference, paying attention to everything. The guys are very close. They played together for three years. Uh, Hernandez, 49 starts uh, with UTEP. Just an amazing run that he had there and, and was very complimentary of the season that Aaron Jones had with the Packers. Yeah, and that rookie season for Aaron Jones was awfully productive and awfully exciting. Was interrupted by injuries here and there, but Larry, I'm interested in your perspective calling those games on the radio. A couple of breakaway runs and some big moments for Aaron Jones as a rookie. What did you think of what he did in 2017? There was an explosive nature to his game. You look at big plays out of the backfield. For the amount of attempts he had, he had an inordinate a number of big plays. Yeah. And he can break it. He can break it. And uh, it was interesting between him and Jamal Williams, seeing those young fellows that, as they got repetitions, as they got playing experience, or I should say not just experience, but playing time, right. opportunity, shall we say, is that they were real deal running backs. They could find it, and they could get after it. And, and I look at a number of situations where, in particular, Jones, he cracked that line of scrimmage. He was going. He was picking up some yards. Uh, good to see. And the Packers certainly have options coming up this season with what they do in the backfield when you got Jamal you got Aaron and of course you got Ty Montgomery yep. as they figure out as they retool the playbook from page one as Mike McCarthy yeah. said right. as they do those things how they're going to incorporate all those guys because as the coaches and Brian Gutekunst has said you can't have enough good players, and it's up to the coaches to figure out ways to employ them. Yeah, and I think if there's one play from Aaron Jones' rookie year that stands out in my mind more than any other, it was that overtime touchdown run against the yeah, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Carry. Yeah, it was his one carry of the day, and not only because it won the game, but because it was a make-something-out-of-nothing kind of play. I mean, right. where the play was designed to go, it wasn't really there. He very quickly bounces it to the other direction, takes off, and uh, and he's gone for the <laughs> touchdown, and the Packers have a Victory. It's amazing. And I mean, you look at the season that he put together 5.5 yards per carry. That was the most in terms of a yard average in the NFL other than Alvin Kamara, the Offensive Rookie of the Year. Kind of tells you the company that he was in. And really the thing I kept going back to on Thursday when we were here and bouncing around the eight podiums where prospects are at, last year I was like a B, just one to another, trying to figure out, okay, who could potentially be a fit for the Packers in the right. backfield? Yeah. That wasn't a conversation this year. That's not to say that they won't go and find one. Brian Gutekunst has been very open that they're keeping all their options on the table, but the fact that the backfield isn't an issue like it was going into the Combine last year is a testament to both him and Jamal Williams really stepping up last season yeah it's a different different feel in that respect for the Packers going into the draft this year but uh Larry when it comes to that you know making something out of nothing kind of thing yeah. we've seen we've seen Ty Montgomery do it we've seen Aaron Jones do it what what is it what is it that uh that allows guys to make plays like that if I knew, I wouldn't be standing here right now. I'd probably, I'd probably be over on ESPN's thing or something like that. But you talk about making something out of nothing, and that play you referred to to win the Tampa Bay game in overtime, that was a power play called off the right side. Right. Yeah. And he ends up breaking it off the left side. I mean, breaks the perimeter on the left side, and he did that kind of bouncing off the garbage in the middle. Right. It was an amazing, amazing run, and I forget what your question was, Mike. What was it? What was it? You just, the whole, away. just the whole making something out of oh, nothing. Like, how do, I, I know how what do I was going to get that? at yeah. is that, you know, you're talking about the linemen here and, and stuff like that, and we'll talk about them more as the week progresses, but this may surprise you considering my background, but I would think, and I, I always thought, 
and I still do, a back will do more for a line than a line will do for a back. Sure, right. That's just the way it is. I mean, you can block them all to death, but that <laughs> yes. guy with that little special something, something, he's the guy that's going to make the running game first and foremost. Yeah, and I want to mention that too, because Will Hernandez talked about that. The fact that when he left, when Aaron Jones went to the NFL last year, that changed the game for him, and it changed their scheme and their running, you know, their running patterns. And he said, I mean, it probably made him a better guard in the long run, what he was asked to do on the left side there for UTEP, but you know, the holes had to be a little bit wider. He had to hold on to his blocks just a little bit longer. With Aaron Jones, with how explosive he was, that made the ultimate difference for them. And it's the reason why he ended his career there as the, fran- or the school's all-time leading rusher. Yeah, linemen certainly know when they have a special back yeah. running behind them. With that, we'll go to a break back with more in Packers Unscripted right after this. Welcome back to Packers Unscripted on location from the NFL Scouting Combine in downtown Indianapolis. Wes and Mike and Larry with you. And guys, yesterday we heard from the first round of prospects meeting with the media and two of the guys that were available are guys who are both in the conversation for top five status overall in this NFL draft. I want to start with running back Saquon Barkley from Penn State. We talked about the Packers rookie running backs. We've seen young running backs in the NFL the last few years making a huge splash, not just in Green Bay, but you talk about Ezekiel Elliott. You mentioned Alvin Kamara for the New Orleans Saints last year. This whole idea from a few years ago of don't take a running back too high in the draft, that's kind of gone by the wayside now, and Saquon Barkley is a guy who will benefit from that. Yeah, it's really funny. The game's changed in some ways uh, in that regard. I really thought going back about four or five years ago, I was wondering when we'd see if if it would even happen again after Trent Richardson, a a running back, being taken in the top ten just because of how the game is spread out. You need passers. You need catchers. Uh, But I think this past year has really proven uh, that, that the running game is still alive and well, and I know there were a number of different backs that were talking about that Zeke Elliott effect. I mean, even this past year with, Len- with Leonard Fournette, the number of guys that are coming to the league and making an immediate impact and really showing teams what a marquee three-down, you know, 250-touch running back can do for an offense. So that's what they're banking on. It's interesting with Barkley, too, because I was standing up on the podium or the, the, the one area over here next to Mike Vanderschnick, our photographer, and there was just a mass of media. It was probably the biggest one I've seen so far. The amount of buzz surrounding this guy, uh, and exactly where he's going to fall. A lot of people believe this is a, a guy that will make a difference in every level of the game, and, and you can now see that, that buzz really forming for him. Yeah, an interesting comment that I heard from Lions general manager Bob Quinn the other day. He was talking about rookie running backs making an impact in the league because the Lions are you know looking at maybe drafting a, a running back fairly high and retooling their backfield, is that one of the benefits of the spread offenses in college is that running backs are coming into the NFL with more experience in pass protection, picking up those blitzers and stuff than maybe they did in years past. Do you think that's a factor, Larry? I would think so to some extent, although the people they'll be picking up on the blitzes in the NFL are, are quite a bit stouter yeah, and quicker right. and all that good stuff. But I, I think a couple things are at work here. Football is a cycle. Okay, as everybody heads, as you guys were documenting, heads towards the passing game, spread things out and so forth, and then people start defending and start drafting right. and start building their defensive teams to stop that. And as the cycle unfolds, suddenly the running back position and a strong running game 
that combats some of that spread out, some right. of that defend the pass stuff. And one other mention when you talk about players like Barkley, he may be the most talented player in this draft. Now, will he go number one? Probably not because it is a running back and not a quarterback, but he may be the most talented. And the thing about the running back position, you can contribute a lot right away right. if you've got the right stuff because it's an instinctive position. I mean, all you can really say to him, okay, we're going to hand you the ball. Your aiming point is there. And after that, it's up to the guy. Right. It's up to the coach. You know, like coach can't be out there. Okay, now cut back. <laughs> yeah. You know, it just doesn't work that way. Right. So you got a situation where the cycle's kind of running its course. And, yeah, the running game, not a bad idea against defenses that are set up to defend the pass. And then also these young fellows, they can't have an instant impact. Right. Yeah, and with Barkley, you look at his numbers from Penn State, over 5,000 total yards from scrimmage in three seasons when you combine 3,800 rushing yards and almost 1,200 <laughs> receiving yards, 50-plus touchdowns. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. The guy, I mean, the thing about it is two and a quarter for a 300-pound yeah. man, that's one thing. Two and a quarter for a running back? And it's like he's lifting a toothpick yeah. there. It looked, it looked like Wes when he was benching 150 there. It was like nothing for him. Maybe 120, yeah. Yeah, and, and it was interesting. He talked also, you know, about going to a team because he, he very well will be drafted high going to a team that's been struggling. And he's like, hey, yeah, I want to be part of something bigger than myself. I want to leave a legacy. He's left a legacy at Penn State helping to pull that program back and get to a Rose Bowl right. after everything that had happened a handful of years ago. So this uh, th- this kid seems to have the right attitude. And do you know another guy that went to a team that was struggling? Leonard Fournette. I mean, that's just how quickly this thing can change when you go from yep. the fourth overall pick to becoming the type of playmaker he was for them. That offense was different when he was going. It set up the passing game for Blake Bortles. Now Barkley going to the next level is going to try to do the same thing. Yeah, I'm going to show you something with Barkley. Whoever takes him, suddenly their offensive line got better. Yeah. No matter right. what they got, yeah. suddenly their offensive line got better. Absolutely. Yes, he's that good. Yeah, no question about it. Well, there's another top five guy that we want to talk about, but we'll do that after the break, back with more on Packers Unscripted right after this. Welcome back to Packers Unscripted from the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. Larry, Mike, and Wes. And another top five guy that we heard from yesterday, fellas, was Notre Dame guard Quentin Nelson. Now, guards don't always get talked about, not very often, with this sort of lofty draft status. But Nelson's being talked about as a guy you can plug in from day one and he can play for 10 or 12 years in this league. Really impressive guy. Be interesting to see just how high he goes. Well, and it's obviously been a chess match there when you're looking at drafting guards over the years. I think 2013 was a big year. That was the Jonathan Cooper, Chance Warmack year. Right. And I think if both of those teams could have that back, they would have liked to have David Bakhtiari three rounds later. It's just the way that sometimes this thing goes. It's a guessing game. But really the best prospect I can think of, I think, was also out of Notre Dame and Zach Martin. He was moving from tackle, but everybody kind of acknowledged he was looking like a guard in the NFL. And now you see what he's done with the Dallas Cowboys over the years. Might be the best one in the game. It's a, it's a really interesting thing to see what exactly is going to happen with Nelson because he's so strong, 35 reps on the bench. Uh, his his pedigree, uh, you know, he's even listened to one of his teammates, uh, Mike McGlinchey, yesterday talking about him and exactly what he brings to the table and week in and week out, how consistent he was for that line. 
Now, where does that translate? How does that translate in the NFL? We'll have to wait and see, but he certainly has the intangibles you look for. Yeah, Nelson really strikes me, Larry, as your kind of guy because when he was talking to the media, he said, I like to dominate. I like to take away my opponent's yeah. will to play each play, and I consider myself a nasty player. Yeah. That, that That's your kind of guy. Not only a go-for-the-throat player, but a go-for-the-throat player with ability. Like it's <laughs> one thing, all those things you mentioned, yeah. it's one thing to want to do those things. Right. It's quite another to be able to do them <laughs> at the next level, and Nelson can do that. And i got to tell you this, so could you imagine the collective – Sigh of disappointment if Brian Gutekunst came down after the Packers make their first pick and say, we selected an offensive guard. People will go, I mean, really. I mean, everybody, they they want a stud duck pass rusher or or a kid that can intercept passes, right? I mean, am I I lying? No. But could you imagine the collective breath of disappointment? (laughs) What? (laughs) It'd kill him. Yeah. yeah, well, and, and if if uh, Quentin Nelson is there at number 14, I think that would be a shock, and I, I would actually be surprised if the Packers would pass on him, but I'd be even more surprised if he's even there for well, the opportunity. Yeah, and you look at the history of it, as Larry points out, I mean, Lane Taylor, one of the best in the business right now at left guard, was, as I've written about numerous times, I believe it was the 41st offensive, there was 41 of them taken in 2013, and he wasn't even one of those. Right. I mean, sometimes you just find guys that just fit, and, and from Taylor perspective back then I think one of the concerns was the athleticism side of it but also the fact that most of your top offensive linemen in college are playing a tackle position you look at TJ Lang when he was at Eastern Michigan Josh Sitton guys that ended up making that switch so you don't always look for the prototype in terms of that guard position yeah well with that uh, we've got to call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted from the NFL Scouting Combine we will have one more on location episode for you so be sure to stay tuned for that for Larry And Mike and Wes, thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.